It is 25 minutes after the hour here on the Drought Large Radio Show. And we're pleased to continue our coverage here of yesterday's election. We're going to delve into the ward races now. In Ward 1, it would appear that uh, incumbent Kevin Kavanaugh is in the catbird seat, having garnered 1,014 of the 1,740 votes cast. Um, Doesn't look particularly good for Christopher Stewart, but I will say this. You know, Stewart is a savvy uh, campaign operative, and if he um, doesn't want to embarrass himself, He's going to campaign and he's going to close that gap. And I think one of the things that he needs to do is campaign to close that gap because the better he does in the race there, the better Mayor Gatsis will do in the race. Gatsis has got to figure out whether or not he wants to minimize his losses in Ward 1, which used to be a reliably Republican ward, but is you know gone uh, notably left in recent years. Uh, or whether or not he's going to try to offset those uh, losses by ramping up his vote in other wards. But uh, Chris Stewart needs to actively campaign. I I don't know that he is uh, going to pull this one out, but he certainly can do better than uh, what these numbers would suggest. In Ward 2, you got to give Will Stewart credit. Uh, He campaigned hard. He did the work, and it showed. And... Uh, he certainly has a commanding lead at the moment over uh, Bob O'Sullivan. The thing that we take note of here is the failure of any other candidate really in the race to mount a campaign beyond doing some token mail and or token uh, you know, door knocking. May have put this one beyond reach for O'Sullivan. Now, O'Sullivan was a school board member. He ran for Alderman two year, uh, eight years ago uh, when the seat was open against Ron Ludwig, and that was a very hard-fought campaign, which O'Sullivan narrowly lost. So Bobby's got it in him to put up a fight. The question is whether or not he is going to rely simply on mail pieces or he's actually going to go meet people. You know, at this point, you have to give the advantage to Will Stewart, which, as I've said in the past, there are things to uh, recommend a uh, Stewart uh, aldermanic term, and there are things to be worried about. I, I don't expect he's going to necessarily be a hardliner when it comes to taxes and spending uh, because of the things that he said. However, there is a lot that he would bring to the table. Uh, given his vantage point on uh, his viewpoint on things and his experience in economic development. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't lay awake at night worrying about Will Stewart being an alderman, except when it came to budget and contract time. But uh, can O'Sullivan close that gap? Once again, if the objective is to both try to win the aldermanic seat and retain uh, Ted Gatsis in the mayor's office, then Bobby O'Sullivan, like Christopher Stewart, are going to have to get off their anatomy, and they're going to have to actually do the hard work of campaigning, which is knocking on doors and otherwise taking, make, taking advantage of every possible opportunity to meet and talk to people. In Ward 4, I think we can stick a fork into Christopher, toss Grandmama out of her house, Herbert. Um, 
it is certainly possible for him to recover, especially given the Democrat nature of the ward and uh, Joyce Craig's uh, showing in the ward. But not likely that the 107 votes that went to Jason Hodgden are going to go anywhere near Christopher uh, uh, Herbert. So you're looking at 380 votes to 231. I think Christopher Herbert is going to be uh, appropriately addressed by voters in November. Time will tell. Ward 6, I don't see anything in the tea leaves there that's going to give Peter McCone the edge uh, an edge over Elizabeth Ann Moreau. Uh, she would have to com- be a complete and utter train wreck in the next uh, seven weeks as a, as a member of the Board of Aldermen to uh, have the tide turn against her. So McCone and the Democrats have been uh, campaigning very hard in Ward 6. The Democrats have invested themselves in it. That's Donna Susie's home ward. I saw her kind of sneak in and out of McLaughlin when I was standing at the polls yesterday. Um, so Donna, you know, it's a point of pride for her. You can rest assured that the Democrats are going to bring the kitchen sink, especially to hold on to Dan Bergeron in Ward 6. Now, I have to admit, I was I was uh, a little surprised by that result. Not that he won. I thought it would be a little closer than it was. Nonetheless, it's still within striking distance, especially when you consider the turnout and how heavily Democratic it was, and especially when you consider that uh, DePietro has never been on a ballot before. This is a third time Bergeron's been on the ballot, and there are points where familiarity, name familiarity on a ballot um, is an advantage. But DePietro's got a lot of ground to cover in uh, that ward. He's done uh, you know, a fair amount of door-to-door. He's clearly got more to do. Uh, but he is within striking distance there. And the, 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 un- the teachers union in the city of Manchester is diametrically opposed to the candidacy of John DePietro because he can make a rational argument, support it with data, and he is, uh, uh, over his time as a parent and an advocate uh, uh, in Manchester, made clear that um, what they say, that what the teachers have to say about uh, spending and allocations of resources and whatnot are clearly questionable. And so they're going to throw the kitchen sink to keep him out. And Ward 7, it looks like Billy Shea is in a commanding position, uh, 402 votes to 232. If you add 85 from Brian Cole to Brendan Nuiso, then, you know, Shea still wins by a, a comfortable margin. Um, I just don't see Ward 7 uh, voting for somebody who wants to be a sanctuary city and who won't support the tax cap. That's just not how that ward is cut. In Ward 8, uh, this this did surprise me. This did surprise me. I mean, Ed Sapienza, he did the work. He knocked on the doors. He was on the ballot two years ago. He had a respectable showing against an incumbent as a first-time candidate. Uh, didn't make the cut. But his 300 votes probably go to Cataldo, which means uh, Betsy DeVries is not sort of the presumptive next alderman. The Republicans have a chance to pick up a seat there and a, a, new, a new face, a, a fresh face, uh, a, a true fresh face in city politics. And I think that's probably what it's going to boil down to in Ward 8. And um, that, uh, that should be noted.
That should be noted. So surprise there, at least as far as I'm concerned, in that uh, Sapienza did not make the cut. Frankly, he really wasn't even close to making the cut. And uh, I would I would look for Cataldo uh, to pull that one off. In Ward 9, a little harder to call. Uh, James Burkish bests Barbara Shaw, 384 to 377. What's that mean? That means, and Burkish did the work. He put up a lot of signs. He did door-to-door. Uh, Burkish, the name, uh, his uncle Pete was a Manchester alderman uh, for for many years, part of a a legendary Manchester rivalry between uh, uh, the Burkish and the Parizzo families. Uh, But Barbara Shaw, who can't get around because of her knees, uh, had very few signs, don't really know what she did to campaign. Uh, Babs, uh, a respectable second place showing. Michael Ricker's votes. Well, they don't go to Burkish because, you know, Ricker was opposed to uh, overriding the tax cap for salaries and opposed to the city becoming a sanctuary city. I'd have to look up Burkish's position on the sanctuary city. I frankly don't remember what it was, but he said flat out he'd vote to override the tax cap. And someone needs to ask him flat out if he'd violate the charter to vote for his kid's contract because his kid's a fireman. I don't think people want a union sympathizer there. So the question is whether or not Barbara Shaw can pitch to those 116 people and the, uh, that Ricker got and the other conservatives in the ward and be believable in saying, I will be better on taxes and spending than Jim Burkish. And the reason why she's got to consider that pitch, frankly, is because in the last two years, she voted, uh, you know, she not only voted, for, she voted for the teacher's contract. I, I'd have to look up what she did on the police. I think she voted for the police. She voted against the firemen, but she voted twice to override the tax cap, which was necessary to fund the pay raises that were given to the teachers and the police. So she can say she's going to be better on those issues, but people can legitimately question her record. So those 116 votes don't go to Burkish from Ricker, but they don't necessarily go to Shaw either. In Ward 11, I think uh, Norm Gamash is toast. I could be wrong, but um, for Gamash to come in second to Willette is a big deal. So I think you're going to see an incumbent fall there. And I think not only his tax cap overrides are going to uh, be an issue, but I think also the fact that he has, without apology and uh, without uh, deference, continued to vote on contracts that cover his kids, one's a teacher, one's a fireman, is not sitting well in Ward 11. And in Ward 12, if I were Keith Hirschman, I'd be looking over my shoulder. Yes, he came in 105 votes ahead of Hassan Essa. We have reports of a lot of uh, college students registering to vote in that ward. We're going to try to verify. But the Democratic machinery is firmly behind ESSA. They have been from the beginning. And they are doing whatever they can to take this 20-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid, who is a college student at UNH Manchester and make him into um, a desirable candidate. They are spending money. They are investing their resources. He fits their narrative. So while Hirschman has a good showing here, I'm reminded of the past where he, you know, he won primaries and he lost to people like uh, Patrick Arnold. And let's be 
let's be perfectly candid, Ward 12, which is my home ward, which tends to be a more conservative ward, has also made a lot of dumb decisions when it comes to aldermen. They like to elect those fresh young faces like Kelly Domain, first to the school board and then to the board of aldermen. And remember, she quit the board of aldermen and said, Manchester sucks. I'm moving my kids. I'm moving to Bedford so my kids can have better schools. And then they gave us Patrick Arnold. And they might give us a sign Essa. So if I'm if I'm Hirschman, I'm looking at these numbers and I'm a little nervous. Hirschman's going to have to get out there and do the work. And fortunately for Hirschman, it's a conservative ward. He should hold on there, but he's going to have to do it. And Van Houten, taking a look at uh, at her numbers, she actually um, did a few votes better than she did two years ago. But Ward 12 is one of those wards that actually had a higher turnout than it did two years ago. So I don't make much of that. Percentage-wise, it was about the same. Uh, Newcomer Kelly Ann Thomas was only 34 votes behind. And Carlos Gonzalez, who did nothing, put put 150 votes up on the board. So Van Houten got about 42, 43% of the vote. If uh, Kelly Ann Thomas, and see the difference between this race and past races where Van Houten... Um, either led or finished second in the primary is that this time she's got an opponent that's actually going to do the work. Christine Duffley didn't do the work. Yeah, she put up some signs and she made some phone calls, but she didn't campaign. So Van Houten basically got a free ride, you know, last couple times out. She's not going to get a free ride this time. And I would, I would think that Van Houten would look at these numbers and be worried. And she should be. So there are my rundowns of the primary results. There are certainly several other races. And if we have time at the top of the 8 o'clock hour, we will analyze the races where there was no primary uh, before Mayor Ted Gatsis joins us in the 8 o'clock hour. But that is our latest installment of campaign analysis be sure to sign up for the campaign chronicler newsletter at droughtatlarge.com we'll be posting articles about this stuff today and throughout the week sharing our analysis with our large and loyal listening audience and uh, making sure you get the facts and the data and not all the hype and emotional role today's gerard at large show has been brought to you by a grant from the first amendment to the united states constitution 